Welcome to the Glam Podcast. My name is Molly Mahoney from The Prepared Performer, and we are going to help you to go live and monetize. If you are ready to take a big leap in your life to get lucky, give me I am so lucky. I'm so lucky below this video because you are in for such a treat. We have a guest today that I am just so honored to bring to you. He's someone that you've probably heard me mention before. There are so many books of his, um, messages of his, little moments of his that I've shared with you over the years. And if we've never met before, my name is Molly Mahoney. It's so good to see you here. We are about to chat with Gay Hendricks. And I just, all month, I have been overwhelmed with gratitude. I am actually going to read you his bio because if I didn't, I think I would just talk for the full hour about how honored and thrilled I am to have him here. So I'm going to read just a little bit of his bio and then we are going to bring him here into Camera Confidence Live for you to help you see how lucky you really are. So Dr. Gay Hendricks has been a leader in the field of relationship transformation and body-mind transformation for more than 45 years. After earning his PhD at Stanford in 1974, Gay served as a professor of counseling psychology um, and at the University of Colorado for 21 years. He's written more than 40 books, including bestsellers such as some of the ones that I have right here, Five Wishes, we've got The Big Leap, which I talk about all the time, and his newest book, which is Conscious Luck. Oh my gosh. I also want to tell you that the last two he authored with his co-author and uh, mate for over 35 years, which those last two are Conscious Loving After Af Ever After and Conscious Loving. I can't even talk because I never read anything on this, but I want <laughs> I always just talk. I really wanted to make sure that you know exactly how amazing he is. His wife is Dr. Kathleen Hendricks. It is so lovely to hear him share about her, about their relationship. You have probably seen him on some of the biggest stages around the world, you know, from CNN to Oprah. And now here he is at the Prepared Performer. I am just so, so, so honored to welcome the amazing Gay Hendricks to the show. Hooray. Well, thank you so much, Molly. I'm going to hire you to go around introducing me all the time. I do have to say, I get that often. Today, I'm I just to be fully frank, to be totally honest with you, this is, I literally all week, I have been just overwhelmed, like I said, with gratitude. And so I'm probably not going to speak as clearly as usual because I'm just so, <laughs> so grateful. And like you said earlier, I am buzzing as well. Uh, oh, it's just so, so, so great to have you here. Oh my goodness gracious. So can you just, can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, like, what what this has been like for you over the past couple of months that some of the what you've been focusing on and um what your yeah what your main focus has been well blessedly we've all been healthy here so uh that's a great thing and uh, our friends and family <laughs> and people who work with us up here everybody's been healthy except for one person out in phoenix that works for us virtually who um, got the virus but otherwise we've been really happy and so we want to uh happy and healthy and i want to celebrate that um we've actually been quite busy during this time because i think people have been home a lot more and so they've been taking more e-courses and we offer a lot of e-courses around here and so uh, katie is just uh actually uh tomorrow starting our um conscious loving advanced training which is a virtual course now that goes over uh 
five weeks. Um, so uh, we've we've transitioned all of our courses into virtual courses, uh, which has an interesting <laughs> plus side to it because instead of having to come to Southern California or wherever we were doing the seminar, now we're doing seminars and there's people in Europe, Dubai, South Africa, Australia on the on Zoom with us, you know, or on, yeah. on whatever conference system we're using. And it's really a joy to be able to reach a whole new group of people like that. And so also, too, people don't have to pay as much for the seminars because they don't have to travel and the seminars cost less and that kind of thing. So it's a real uh, it's been quite an amazing experience for us over the past few months, juggling the, the joy and busyness, busyness of that also with our concern for the larger community. Oh, so good. And you know, I, one thing that I really wanted to make sure that I chatted with you about was your e-courses and the fact that you have all these programs. And it's funny because up until recently, I, um, so the big leak especially has been something that I have woven into our trainings. It's something that has been sort of a required reading around here and really been so instrumental in me, for me, not only in my business, but also in my personal life. But I never thought, this is an ulp moment for me, I guess, because I always assumed that like you had these books and you were doing these things, but there was no way that I could ever actually come take a program with you. <laughs> so, it's so it's so great to know that there's access for people to be able to work with you where we can jump right into that. So if you're watching this right now, uh, we'd love to know that you're here. Give us some, we do a little fireworks show thing. I don't know if you know what that is. Do you know what a fireworks show is in a video? No. <laughs> it's um, it's when you ahead. get all the, the likes and the hearts like and so all the the love flies across the screen. Okay. <laughs> and, good. Uh, well, yeah, I'm we'd being... love to see that. And people can actually sign up to take courses with you. Where do they go to do that? Well, the main place is hendrix.com, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S.com. And that will give you a jumping off place to all of our other things, where the e-courses are and where our live seminars are and all the other resources. And we also have a nonprofit foundation called the Foundation for Conscious Living that has a lot of free resources for uh, people in the community. So uh, we're very happy about that because we get people all the way from Pakistan to Bolivia to Sumatra Islands taking courses every day uh, that they can access about how to deal deal with fear and how to have better relationships and things like that. So um, yeah, uh, but Hendrix.com would be your main place. All right. So I just put that in the chat so everybody can grab that. It will also be in the show notes. So the way that we do this, we record it live here on Facebook and on YouTube. And we use a messenger bot. So what happens is when people say the words, I'm so lucky below this video, if they're watching on Facebook, they're going to get a message right away from us so they can get access to the show notes. They can get access to all the links, everything that's mentioned uh, here today, which is good. We also do a little giveaway. It's a nugget giveaway. And so what happens is as you share things today that resonate, even if it's something I find, you know, in re-listening to your audiobooks, I find there's moments that I've heard before that I'm like, oh, uh, yes, I needed to be reminded of that today. So if you have moments like that, give us the word nugget in the chat and share what the tip was, and that will help you to be entered. I'm going to give away a couple of things today on the show. So I'm going to give away a selfie light, which is great. And you can clip it right to your phone or to your camera to brighten up your videos. And also I'm going to throw in some books too. So for those of you that comment with your nuggets throughout the video today, we will grab uh, some winners at the end, which will be really fun. So good. So I actually, I would love to hear, there's a story that you shared in, I believe in Conscious Luck about a woman in Pakistan who was walking to watch the movies that 
you had shared. Can you tell us that story? Oh, that was such a beautiful thing. Well, a friend of mine and I, who is a movie producer named Stephen Simon, he and I go way back, been friends for a long time. Um, in the early days of this century, around 2003, we created something called the Spiritual Cinema Circle, which is um, a community of, uh, at one time, about 25,000 people around the world uh, that got our DVDs every month, which would usually have um, a feature in several shorts of an uplifting nature, uh, what we call spiritual cinema. And so one time we got uh, an email from a woman who said that she lived in this small village in Pakistan, but would walk basically all day long to get to the U.S. aid uh, place in uh, wherever the big town is in Pakistan, where they had our spiritual cinema circle DVDs because we gave them free as a gift yeah. to the local U.S. aid. And so I was so blown away by a person who would basically walk 25 miles to and fro just to see these movies. And what it's a testimony to is that it speaks to something I've known since I could breathe practically, which is human beings have such an immense amount of potential mm. that we don't get to use. And I think the greatest sadness, I've been around the world now more than 30 times teaching our seminars and that kind of thing over the past 40 years. And I've tuned into people everywhere. And I think the greatest source of pain in the world is not maybe hunger, it's, it's maybe the hunger for making some difference, the, mm -hmm. the hunger to make a contribution, the hunger to open up to our full potential and the heartbreak that comes from not being able to do that. Yeah. And I've been there myself. You know, I, I had a rough start to my life. I uh, had some medical problems and I was born with some crazy stuff going on in my thyroid gland. And so I was very fat when I was a kid and taken around to all sorts of different specialists and given shots. And one year they put me on amphetamines to try to make me lose weight. And it wasn't until I had an enlightenment experience when I was 24 years old that I finally was able to lose more than 100 pounds and get to be a 180 pound six foot tall person rather than a 320 pound six foot tall person, which I was in, um, when I was 24 years old. So I lost more than 100 pounds in a year after this moment of awakening. Uh, if I may, I'd like to tell you about, about that moment because it will help you understand the other stuff we're talking about. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. Yes. Well, when I was 24 years old, I had a bunch of things that were really not going right in my life. I was in a relationship that I'd been in for a couple of years, and I was now realized it was a terrible mistake, and I was having trouble getting out of it because I didn't have any money and I, to live somewhere else. And I'm sure many of you have been in exactly the same kind of place where you've been trapped in a job or in a relationship or somewhere where you really knew it was good for your mental health and your physical health even to get out, but for some reason you felt trapped in there. And so I was in that state. I didn't like my job. I didn't like my uh, car. I didn't like my uh, place I lived. You know, the whole works was going against me. Plus, I weighed more than 300 pounds. Mm. And so I went out for a walk one day. I'd had an argument with the woman I lived with at the time. Um, and to clear my head, I went out for a walk. And it was a winter day in New Hampshire. And I stepped on a place on the road 
where there was a patch of ice, but there was snow over the top of the ice. So I didn't see that I was stepping on basically a sheet of ice. And I went whoop, down on my back. And I didn't knock myself out, but I, I now describe it. I had an out of Hendrix experience. I kind of <laughs> knocked myself out of my usual way of seeing the world and way of being in the world. And for about two minutes, I had a very new vision of myself. It was as if I could see down through all of the levels of myself. I could see my 100 pounds of extra fat on the outside, but I could feel how underneath that, the fat was just there because it was covering up deeper stuff inside me, like old feelings I never let myself feel. And But down at the bottom of everything, I could feel that there was this vast open space of pure creative consciousness that didn't have any kind of programming on it. And that's how we are and who we are and what we're born with. But a lot of the times it gets covered over by a hundred pounds of extra fat or physical problems or whatever. Or our emotional weight, are. you know, the heaviness that we carry with us. Yeah. yeah. And so I had this new vision of myself in that moment when I realized, oh, I could create a whole different life. This was my old life. Now I could create a whole different life. <laughs> so you'll love this diet, uh, Molly. I'm sure many of you have been on diets that are watching this or listening to this. Um, and you know how those work oftentimes that you start to lose some weight and then you hit this thing that I now call the upper limit problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I would lose weight for three days and then I'd have an overwhelming binge urge to eat half a jar of peanut butter. Or the, the, the classic example, I think I told a story in uh, maybe The Big Leap. Talk about an upper limit problem. I lost 35 pounds the first month after my enlightenment experience. In other words, I lost about a third of the extra weight yeah. I was carrying in a month. And as a result, man, I felt like I was walking down the street like, Joe Montana, or you know, <laughs> uh, even though I still weigh 260 pounds, yeah. uh, but um, in this moment, I was feeling so good and I was exhilarated. And I was walking down the street in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I looked to my left, and there was an ice cream shop, Brigham's Ice Cream Store. <laughs> if you've ever been to New England, it's a very popular one. And there was a family eating this large banana split. And there was four of them eating this banana split. But it looked so good. I ran in there. I just completely lost my consciousness. I ran in there and I said, I want one of those. And I sat down and for about 20 minutes, I just binged on it. But guess what happened about 20 minutes after that? Oh, I was walking down the street in this sugar craze. All of a sudden, I got the worst bellyache of my life. I think it's because all of that junk food, those sugar and everything hit a body that was kind of pure after a month yeah. of eating really good, you know, fruits and vegetables and things <laughs> like that. So that was my big experience of the upper limit problem that got me thinking about that. Oh, we have this self-sabotage mechanism built in that I talk about it in The Big Leap. And at the time, I didn't know all the reasons for it that I described in The Big Leap, like all the fears that were under it. But I was really like, oh, here I felt good. And then I sabotaged myself. Yeah. And I watched myself do that over and over again until I finally realized, oh, the job is to let ourselves feel good for longer and longer periods of time. And that became 
kind of my lifelong obsession is helping people break free from their own patterns and get to that place where they can basically create a new life of their own that's not influenced by the past. It's informed by the past, but it's not limited by the past. Yeah. And you know that, so that story is such a great tangible explanation of the upper limit problem, which you go into in such depth inside the big leap. And it actually brings me to a question that I wanted to chat about, which is the question that you ask in the beginning of the big leap, which is, am I willing to increase the amount of time every day that I feel good inside? And yes, Think I'd about love that to for talk more. about that because it's so fascinating to me that it's something that uh, it on the surface, it seems like that would be such an easy thing to say, obviously, yes, but it's something that is so consistently not the case. Right? <laughs> Yes it's, yes, it's very counterintuitive in a way. But here's the thing. In life, there's one big task, in my view, which is to constantly do whatever you can to expand the amount of love and pure creative energy in your life. Because when you think about it, what are we really here for? Mm. Many of us have never really figured out what we're here for. But I can tell you specifically what I'm here for. My life purpose is to expand every day in love, abundance, and creativity as I inspire other people to do the same. That's been my life purpose now for 40 years. And every day of my life, I get to do that. It doesn't matter whether I'm doing it in front of 10 million people when we used to go on Oprah or in front of um, the guy who's sitting next to me on an airplane who gets stuck next to me on the airplane and has to have a, hear a fill of, uh, of these ideas. Um, oh, I love it. And I think, but it's, it's interesting. And it's something that that's a question that we've asked a lot in our GLAM program, which I wanted to give a shout out to Dawn Montefusco, who is the one who connected us. I know you've done several interviews with her. She is one of our amazing clients, and I'm just so grateful for the connection. So Dawn, shout out to you. You're awesome. Uh, she's a transformational writing coach, and just I'm so grateful for that connection. And it's something that I love when people see that question, and they're like, yes, sweet, in theory, you know. So what is it that you think comes up and, and makes us uncomfortable when it comes to feeling good? Because it's something... I, I work with my kids on also that, you know, instantly they go into, I'm sorry, or an apology before there's even been a chance to feel good or get the positive answer. And it's, it's such an awesome shift, but I'm so curious about what really causes that to happen. Yes. And here's the thing, what causes it specifically? I'll tell you in about two minutes and then we can okay. riff on it, but here's the problem. Human beings have a built-in fear mechanism that makes us contract when we get scared about something. So what happens is we start feeling better and then two or three days go by where we're feeling exhilarated and life is working and our relationships are humming and we feel the flow of intimacy. And then some old fear comes up and that fear then throws us into what I call personality number two. See, we all come equipped with two personalities. Personality number one is outgoing. It seeks positive attention. It wants to make a contribution in the world. It wants to reach out to other people. It wants to feel the flow of intimacy. And then there's personality number two, which is our history of things that we've been traumatized by in life. Like one of the main things early in life that happens for all of us is we're busily doing personality number one and suddenly somebody's in a bad mood and they 
whack us for it or yell at us or something. And suddenly you realize, oh, I can't please these people. Then we go into a defensive crouch, which yeah. is personality number two. Personality number two doesn't know how to get attention the positive way. So it comes up with negative things like acting out, you know, being a brat or um, being a problem or getting sick or having an accident. Those are all symptoms of being in our defensive personality number two. So what we need to do is understand and deal with the fears that are underneath and keep personality number two glued in place. Hmm. Number one, many people have a fear deep inside that there's something fundamentally wrong with them or fundamentally bad about them or they've done something wrong that they need to feel guilty for. Or fix, right? Or sick, yeah. yes. Wrong, bad, sick, or stupid. You know, those are often the things that people like, get right. <laughs> Wrong, labeled bad, with. <laughs> so there's this little piece of us in there oftentimes. Not everybody has this, but there's a little piece of many people that feels like they're fundamentally don't deserve to be here, don't deserve to have a good time, don't deserve to have love. And I'm here to tell you that's that's not true. That's just a figment of our programming. There is nobody here on this planet that doesn't deserve love, abundance, and creativity. Mm -hmm. Nobody has done anything that doesn't deserve that. So I want to shout that from the rooftops because it's so important to know that what we need to do is learn to love that part of ourselves that thinks we're doing something wrong or love the part of ourselves that feels inadequate and open up and discover why we came to feel that way. Because mm. I can tell you, you weren't born that way. You know, you were born incredibly lucky. Yes. You and I and everybody that's got eyeballs on this program today are incredibly lucky because not to get too graphic about it, but every single one of us were in a sprint with about a quarter of a million or a million other sperm cells on the way to the I knew where you were going. Egg. I remember this from the book. I heard it. I, I read this part just yesterday as I was finishing it. So. And so you won. <laughs> I won. I beat out quarter of a million other guys that got parked <laughs> over in the corner somewhere. But what happens, you see, is as soon as we become one with the egg, there's this moment of unity. And then the top of our heads blow off and release all the genetic information. So you can see why we men sometimes are a little skittish about relationships. You know, we have a little bit of a push me, pull you about it. Because the first time it happens, our head blew off. And uh, so that was in general a good thing. But uh, anyway, I'm here to tell you that you won a big race with at least a quarter of a million sprinters in it uh, from the get go. Not only that, there are almost 9 million species on this planet, half of whom are bugs. And you got born into the one... I got born into the one that we can even have a conversation about it. So let's just celebrate being born as the luckiest yes. people that we could possibly imagine. Nobody Stay else has ever been this lucky. gratitude for it. I love it so much. Yeah, and there's a, there's a couple of things I'd planned on asking, but I love where this is going kind of into the, the lucky stuff because, so I, I want to tell you a little, a super quick little story. So a dear friend of mine, Felicia Searcy, who is a, a coach that I worked with for two years, she gave us all a copy of the five wishes or five wishes. I love this book. We have worked with this book as part of our um, stuff as well. And I, I opened it and I have to, I brought this to show you because 
it was one of the most um, funny and powerful moments of my life. She gave us this book and this is the cover. Can you see it? <laughs> the whole thing is printed upside yeah. down, the entire book. <laughs> thought, we oh should keep that. It's probably worth something. I know. I was like, oh, I was so thrilled because I think in, in um, Conscious Luck, you talk about brushing your teeth with the other hand. And, yeah. <laughs> and I've been trying that this week as a way to kind of shake us up and get us out of our out of our norm. And I thought this book really does that because when I go to open it, I have to literally flip it upside down so that I can get out <laughs> of my own, you know, my own habitual way of, of thinking. And, and that's really uh, something that for me, both in life and in business, it's so easy to instantly assume that someone's not on our side that someone, when it comes to sales, when it comes to showing up on camera, like let's talk about some fear, right? Of <laughs> Like, is everything gonna work? Is there gonna be tech issues? And um, I, I really think that the gift that you have given me is, is uh, in recognizing those moments, like the upper limit problem, which I love uh, that you call an ulp. So um, the ulps, <laughs> right? Recognizing those ulps and, being grateful for them and knowing that they're actually a sign that we can shift into, um, you know, a new level of possibility. And I thought there was an interesting connection between that and uh, the idea that you share in Conscious Luck about our shame and shifting. You Can you talk about that, What what um, the concept about shame and yes. Conscious Luck that you share? I'm going to fix my light also because it's bugging me. So while you're chatting about that, I'm going to run okay. fix my light. <laughs> okay, okay, good. Well, in conscious luck, and also back to the big leap okay, yeah. for a moment, I wanted to mention a second fear that's really big. There's that fear of being fundamentally bad, fundamentally wrong, fundamentally undeserving of love. And then there's a second one that I call the fear of outshining other people. And I've found that many people in the helping professions and the transformational coach field, and people who have a an urge to help other people and an urge to help other people reach their full potential, often also have a fear of outshining other people. Yeah. They, if, you, if you're here right now and you're watching this, have you a, ever felt that fear? I just want to see if people who are here right now have ever felt that. Have you ever felt it? Let us know. Yeah. Oh, you can quiz them in real yeah, there's, time. So we can Great. see everybody. Yeah, it's really cool, actually. We can see, like, uh, Natalie says, Nugget, you started lucky. We can have a full interactive conversation. Nancy says, the upside down goodness. There's um, there's all kinds of stuff coming in from people. So, yeah, I love that we're having this full conversation. It's so good to see so many of you here. So, yeah, have you felt that? Oh, that's great. Well, if I had a better brain, I could probably read those at the same time I'm trying to talk to you. I got it for you. Uh, you I came to I don't do multitasking very well. <laughs> um, so I wanted to say a word about that fear of outshining yeah. here because it's often something that comes out of a feeling of compassion. A lot of times it starts in childhood where maybe you are the are really smart or really have a talent or really something, but other people in your family don't have that. And so you kind of hold yourself back as so as not to outshine other people. And so I've worked, I don't know how many hundreds, at least hundreds of people who had that fear that the, the trick then is to learn how to go ahead and shine and know that your, your illumination helps other people become illuminated. Yeah. It doesn't steal from their light and love that the more you shine, the more you bring forth your true potential, the more it inspires other people to do the same. 
And so there's a whole world out there waiting to support us and waiting to support you if you will allow yourself to be really supported. And, you know, it's like how do birds get across the sky? Well, they don't do it with a lot of, you know, they don't, <laughs> they kind of ride the currents. In fact, I love the thing I saw in National Geographic about the hummingbirds that this little bird doesn't even hardly weigh a couple of ounces and it takes off in Guatemala and flies all the way across the Gulf of Mexico 500 miles without stopping to eat because there's nothing to eat. So this little two or three ounce bird flies from Guatemala to Alabama every year just because it's the thing to do. It's the thing it's always done. And they they like that trip for some reason. There's something over there they like to eat or sniff or something. And then they go ahead and fly back. And so what allows them to do that effortlessly without eating? It's somehow they're tapped into a larger flow of energy. And in my opinion, we all have access to that larger flow of energy absolutely for free. That's what we talk about in conscious luck also. To think of luck as wind currents that you learn to ride. It's not like a lightning bolt or something that gets conferred on you at birth. The winds of luck are always blowing. And our job in the book and, and the, the job we lay out in the book, we lay out eight pathways to get yourself into those currents. And you don't have to do all of them. Any one of them will work, but we give eight different paths. And I really urge you to, because it, to learn those because it allows you to make a lot less effort. Yeah. You know, one of the promises of our longer term programs around here is that you'll learn to be twice as creative, twice as abundant, mm -hmm. and have twice as much love in your life by working half as much. And so that's what I'm always after is being able to learn how to work and live in such a way that it doesn't tax you. It doesn't cost your energy. I've been blessed. Uh, I started thinking about living in my genius zone mm, probably almost 40 years ago now. And I started increasing slightly the amount of time I spend in my genius zone every year, by the way, plug for the new book coming out in the spring called The Genius Zone. Oh, and it's, how perfect. Um, I'll change this. I wrote Zone of Genius, but I'm going to call it The Genius Zone. The Genius Zone, yes. Um, yes, can I you, used to I call it the... people who don't know what the, the Genius Zone is, can you yes. tell us more about that? Because that's something I love hearing you share about. Exactly. Yeah. And um, number one, a lot of us spend time in what I call your incompetence zone. <laughs> which is doing things you're not any good at. And I give the example in the book of one day, I was standing in the post office line with a package and there was only one clerk and about 20 people. And so this line was moving incredibly slowly. So by the time I got there, I was sort of about ready to jump out of my skin, but I did have an enlightening moment during that, that wait a minute, I have just spent the equivalent of $250 of my time standing in line where somebody else that I was paying $15 an hour to could have just as easily stood in the line. Yeah. I'm operating in my zone of incompetence here, <laughs> or at best, my zone of competence. There are four zones. The first zone is doing stuff that you're not any good at. 
The second zone is doing stuff you're good at, competent, but somebody else could do it just as well. Number three is what I call the zone of excellence, where you're doing things you're really good at that make you money, that get you strokes, get you props. Um, and yet it's not ultimately satisfying because it's not tapping into your true genius. Your genius is what you most love to do and what you're most suited to do here in your brief time on this planet. For me, I feel very blessed because in 1977, I figured out that this thing we're doing right here <laughs> is the only thing I really like to do. Yay! <laughs> and, and now I'm 75 years old. I was about 30 something when I thought of it. And as you can tell, I'm still way too excited about what we're talking about here. But I've been just as excited about it since 1977 when it occurred to me that, you know, this is my, you know, this is what I love to do. This is what I would do all day long, even if I didn't make money at it. And here's the thing, Molly, my first thought after I had that thought was, oh, how could I ever make a living doing the <laughs> stuff I most love to do? That was my first thought. Nobody would ever be interested in that. But you know what? I set up a little group for six people, six other psychologists that I knew from other. And then we were all six people who were sort of dissatisfied with the way the machinery worked and the insurance companies. And don't get me started on that particular okay. subject. I was a licensed psychologist since 1977. And I had to go through so many evolutions with the insurance companies and everything to get my clients paid. And anyway, so we all wanted to invent something new. And that was where the whole field, I think the field of body-centered psychotherapy came from, was a bunch of us getting together in different places and realizing the talk stuff doesn't work. We need to use breathing. We need to use movement. We need to get people's whole beings involved in the process of transformation. So anyway, that was my first little experiment with that. But you know what? The next year, my income doubled. The next year, my income tripled. And I think because once you get honed in on your genius zone, it doesn't feel like work. And so it doesn't matter if you do it three hours a day or 13 hours a day. You know, I've been up since uh, four o'clock this morning. It's now. Um, I woke up at four o'clock today too, and I don't usually do that. So I must have known that. <laughs> Usually I get up around 5.30 or 6, but today I woke up at 4, like this, I, it's time for me to get up and go, which I must have known. So that's awesome. But yeah, how many other calls have you done today already? Because you said this was what, your third? Uh, I've done one big one, uh, but I also did quite a bit of uh, writing early mm -hmm. this morning. Usually between 5 and 8 is my sort of creative sweet spot. Yeah. Um, my wife likes to sleep, it, uh, sleep in, Katie likes to sleep in until around 7.30 or so. So um, those first couple of hours in the morning, it's just me and the cats and uh, very quiet. And uh, so it's my kind of my writing and main creative time. So I'm just about to launch a big new program for 2021. And so I've been doing a lot of writing in the background on that. Oh, so good. I, you know, there's two things about the zone of genius that I would love some insight on. So one is, uh, and I'll share both first, and then you can decide how you want to tackle them. But the first one is how people can discover their zone of genius, because even, you know, and I've, I've read, listened to the big leap so many times, and I do find that 
I am and Elizabeth, our director of sanity. My sister-in-law is here and she will attest that I don't always live up until now in my genius zone. <laughs> I sometimes cling to those zones of incompetence, which I work on every day letting go of. Um, I think I'm pretty dialed in though on what exactly that is, but I still find that I doubt myself and I'm sure there are other people who, um, you know, when it comes to like knowing this is what it is, um, and knowing what to say no to, and you, there's a, an email, you tell a story about that. You wrote an email back to someone saying, you know, I would love to do this, but I, it's actually not in my zone of genius, which I'm focused on right now. And, um, I find for myself and I'm sure for other people as well, that it's a, how do you know that it's, that something's not in your zone of genius or that it's not maybe an, a, a, upper limit problem coming up and you feel like, oh, I shouldn't say yes to that because it's out of my zone of genius. Like, how do you navigate those decisions and own the no's and own the yeses? Well, that's one of the reasons we're so keen in our seminars on teaching people how to use their own body wisdom. Because mm. like, for example, one way you can tell you're not in your genius zone is that there's a presence of fear somewhere in your body. Yeah. And that is a great way to know that genius isn't operating because in when you're in your genius, you feel a flow of exhilaration. You don't feel the presence of fear. So I would say, first of all, cultivate the ability to know when you're scared or not. You know, most of us feel fear as a butterfly sensations down here in our belly. Uh, some of us feel it more up in our chest, but find out where you feel the sensations of fear in your body, because that's a reliable indicator to let you know that you're doing something that's not in your genius zone. Well, uh, uh, we also, also say here say also within that knowing the difference between the fear and the anticipation or excitement, because I, I think sometimes people mix those up and then they miss yes. out on things because they allow themselves to go, oh, well, I can't say yes to that amazing opportunity because it's not in my zone of genius when really they're playing small. Yes, exactly. And uh, one of the things, uh, one of the sayings we have here is fear is excitement without the breath. Oh, and so if you're holding your breath, you're clenched up, what could be exciting to you is scary to you. Yeah. Sophocles yeah. said, when you're scared, everything rustles. <laughs> it looks like the world is out to get you. It looks like the world is a threatening place. But what's threatening, you know, maybe there may be a threat, but often what it is is simply a fear of fully bringing yourself through, fully owning your full potential, fully expressing your full creativity. Um, you mentioned uh, the book that Katie and my wife Katie uh, and I wrote uh, called Conscious Loving Ever After. It's largely a book for couples after the age of 40, up to, well, okay. the late, or the, Oldest ones we worked with were in, in their 80s. Um, and what I turned we found, 40 this year, so I would fit into that demographic now. I am owning that fact. My husband is 56. We will love diving into that one. <laughs> okay, good. Well, one thing you'll you'll discover is we found that the big factor is creativity. Mm. If both people in a relationship can be in the process after age 40 and especially after age 50 of opening up to their creativity and finding new outlets for their creativity, that makes for much better intimacy. Um, because one of the things that happens in relationships is if one person kind of gets 
you know, they're not learning much about the world. They're not learning about themselves. They're not open to new ideas. And one of the other people in the relationship is, you know, maybe one partner's kind of closing down and one is opening up. That can be a real problem. <laughs> I, uh, one of the formative conversations of my life, I was sitting on a park bench the very first time I ever went to Europe way back 40 years ago or so. And I was sitting on a park bench, sipping an espresso and <laughs> taking a rest. And a woman in her 60s came striding across this uh, park and plopped down on the park bench next to me and just started making some notes in her journal and that kind of thing. And I, I commented on her sneakers. I said, wow, those look brand new. And she said, yeah, they are. And she spoke English, turned out to be an American. And she said, yeah, they are. They're my sixth pair. I've worn out five pairs on my trip. And I said, <laughs> where did you walk here from? And she said, Arizona. And when she, she retired from being a school principal when she was 62 and decided to make a lifelong dream fulfilled of walking around the world. Oh my <laughs> and so here's the sweet part. She You're asked her that. husband, they'd been married for ages. She asked her husband to come with her. And he okay. said, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I like my TV shows. You know, I like my pipe and slippers. You go on your trip if you want to, and then I'll come see you every few months or so, wherever you happen to be. Well, that sounds like a great relationship to me, you know, that is yeah. open to that kind of creativity. So by the time, Ed, oh, this is even better. She'd started walking west, and she'd gone from Arizona to California. She was going to get take a boat the other direction or over to Asia. And then she decided to walk back the other direction. So she walked back through Arizona and then walked to the East Coast. And by the time I met her, she'd been on the journey for a couple of years. Oh and my gosh, that is amazing. It was mind boggling, you know? And then, you know, the interesting thing was, as soon as that conversation was over, she, you know, got herself together and trucked off. And I said, where are you going? And she says, Portugal. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So much. See, and this goes back to what you said in the very beginning that there is, there's so much potential for what we can do. You can literally walk around the world. So I'd love to know two questions if you're watching this. One, what are you actively doing to have more creativity in your life? One thing that I've been doing since, um, you know, we've been staying home all the time recently. I, I, this is something that I always said, I want more time. I make handmade felt. So it's, um, a process called wet felting. And I've always said, I want more time to do that. I want more time to do that, but I never actually did it. And so I've really been big about allowing, my, I was going to say forcing myself, but I switched it, allowing myself to set aside that time just to be creative aside from what we're building in our business or focused on uh, giving ourselves that, that creativity. You, if you're watching this and you're familiar with us, you know that I've been, um, I take singing lessons every week. And those are things that are no longer working towards um, business goals necessarily, but it's allowing us to feel who we are as humans. So good. I think the learning to own that creative, that source of creative potential in ourselves is one of the great things we must do in life if we want to have a fulfilled life. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, my book, Five Wishes. Yeah. It's really about how to figure out what are the most, the five most important things for you to accomplish in your lifetime. And I tell you, I meet people all the time. <laughs> it's funny. 
you're going to give me a new line for my my talks in the future because I meet people all the time that tell me I read five wishes and it turned my life upside down. I'm going to say now, hey, I've got a person that the whole book was turned upside down. Literally. <laughs> it was a good one. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I want to make sure we get some time to talk about these uh, eight ways to be or eight secrets to intentionally change your fortune. So this is the new book and I actually have it on here. We're using b.live to go live today. And what's really cool is when I show this on the screen, it puts the link to your book right into the chat, both on YouTube and on Facebook, which is so cool. And if I go this way, I hope it's the right way. Yeah, you can see the big leap also. And I can put that chat right into there and watch this be live, which I've said 17,000 times to those of you that are here that this book is the one that I read. This and The Little Prince are on my two top book lists in the world. Mm. I love The Little Prince. Mm. That's very so touching. Fun. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. I'm really proud to be on a list with something like that. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they're right there, neck and neck for me. And uh, you can get both those links right in there, which is, is so good. And one thing that I love about this, for someone like me who has two little kids at home that are both, you know, I'm currently running their school while I'm here with you, is the beginning of the book has this Cliff Notes version, which I found so awesome. <laughs> I was really happy when I saw that uh, St. Martin's Press, that the publisher had done that because I wanted to have some kind of a place that people could refer to, yeah. you know, instantly if they if they got stuck somewhere. I never had the idea they're going to put it right on the inside cover of the book, <laughs> but I think that's an ingenious thing to do. Well, I'll tell you, I want to, you know, since we're getting a little tight on time, yeah. I want to tell you that um, if you could only do one thing okay. that the book suggests, I want you to do the eight other things too, but if you <laughs> could only do one thing, take a moment right now, this very second, and create one new positive thought about your luck. And I'm going to give you one to think about. And this positive thought is, I'm willing to be luckier every day of my life. Mm. Just try on and see if you could honestly embrace that idea. I'm willing to be luckier every day of my life. Just feel how that feels in your body. Just like taking a taste of food or taking a sip of tea, feel it all the way down. I like to have people try on commitments in their bodies. Yeah. So first is to open the willingness. I say willingness gets you up to the gate and <laughs> commitment gets you through it. So now let's take it to the next level. Take another minute of your life to focus in on commitment. And let me just ask it to you as a question first. Would you be willing to make a commitment to increasing your luck every day of your life? Mm. You don't know how you're going to do it yet. <laughs> if you knew how, you'd already be doing it. It's a commitment to it. That gets you through the gate because once you're beginning to look for ways to increase your luck and things you can do to do that, that's then the journey. Yeah. And you can use the other eight things in the book to kind of help guide the journey. But let me invite you this moment or beg you or <laughs> cajole you uh, or pray that you open up and make a commitment to being luckier today than you were yesterday and being luckier tomorrow than you were today. Always be increasing the luck factor. Mm. I always tell people it's a lot easier to be lucky than it is to be good. 
Uh, being good is a good thing. I want you to be good. Don't make me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I also want you to increase your luck factor. So you happen to be the one that gets picked for the certain thing, or the one that gets called, or the one that happens to be in the right place. I tell the multi-million-dollar story in the Big Leap of making an accidental, unplanned stop at my office one time when we had our place over in Santa Barbara back uh, mid '90s. And just at that very moment, a stockbroker had stopped in and was in the middle of my office talking to my wife about an electronic startup that was happening. And did we want to buy some stock in it? And I was literally there for five minutes and hadn't even planned to be there. But anyway, to make a long story short, we said yes and invested a small amount of money. But that during the dot-com era became a very large amount of money. And so being in those little moments of being in the right place at the right time. I have found that we can engineer those moments, make them more likely by things we can do actively. All those things that I know how to do are in conscious luck. Um, and uh, I, if you've already read The Big Leap, I think conscious luck would be a great new leap for you because it's learning how to organize your life more effortlessly by opening up to being spontaneously supported by the things that are going on around you all the time. Those wind currents that I'm talking about, opening up your sails so that you float with the currents rather than, you know, effortlessly <laughs> flapping your wings. And I, I I love this so much. So if you are willing to get luckier every day, I love the idea of really feeling it in your body. I saw, I was doing some research this week. And I saw you posted a video that Katie had shared with you about breathing all the way down into your belly, which is something that we talk about so often that diaphragm, you posted this diaphragm video about the way that you breathe. And that's something we talk about quite often. And I remind myself of it's one of the reasons I still sing, even though I'm not singing on stages anymore, it allows us to feel it. But when you ask that, I really did feel it all the way to my toes, allow yourself to feel that. And are you really willing to do that? And and um, I've been reading this book actually with my sister and I've been talking about it a lot with our, our glam members and my friend Tiffany and my friend Tiffany, I was talking to her yesterday about having you on the show and she said, will you please tell him that I was listening to the book and I lost my keys on, <laughs> on a hike in the middle. She was like in the middle of a hike, lost her keys completely while she was listening to Conscious Luck. She still can't find them, but it allowed her <laughs> to recognize how lucky like she said that it was the irony of it was not lost on her <laughs> and that she said her uh, her landlord had to get her in with a crowbar but she, <laughs> but it was um even in moments like that where you can usually it could spiral you into some sort of uh, moment you know back into the hummingbird stage but you can stay in the place of how lucky so we just we keep repeating that to um to ourselves <laughs> Uh, well, I think a good thing, too, you can pass along a, a little bit of coaching advice. If she were sitting across from me at my office, I'd immediately say, hmm, let's wonder if maybe you no longer are being served by your house or your dwelling. Hmm. Because people that lose their keys, it's often a metaphor for I don't want to be there anymore. So check into that part of it. Interesting, right? And I know she is kind of in a transitional place where she's living right now. So that is a good one. Ah, and I, so it's an ideal time. It's a little wink from the universe that's saying, time to sit down for 10 minutes and figure out where would I love to live and what would I really 
love to drive. And maybe even if you can't afford a change or something like that right now, it's good to know what you really love because those are the broadcasting signals that the universe is always listening for. What will increase the love in my life? What will increase the abundance in my life? What will increase the creativity in my life? Living in those, what I call wonder questions all the time. Mm, yeah, the wonder. How much love can I open up to right now in my life? How much, how much financial abundance can I open up to right now? Mm. I wonder. So, so good. You're burning up some energy. I see I'm getting a flashing light from my battery that says my battery is going on me here. We're burning up uh, pixels as we speak here. <laughs> we're right on we're right on time. Your battery held out with us, which is so great. I am just so grateful. If you would like, we are actually going to do show notes from today's show. So if you would like the show notes and you'd like a chance to really live into the fact that you are lucky, you can go ahead and give us the words below. I'm so lucky below this video. I uh just really want to thank you personally oh, i'll leave that up on there i there are um a few things when it comes to really allowing ourselves to expand and uh that shame tip about recognizing the shame as a way to let things you know let more abundance in has been so great for me over the past couple of weeks and funny enough the word lucky is something that for the past i'm going to say five years i've actually had a lot of um guilt around because someone who I love and admire said to me, Molly, don't say you're lucky. You're creating this. It's not luck. You're creating it. Mm. And you shifted like it's seriously this idea of being able to embrace the fact that I'm lucky again and not feel shame around that has been like, it's a daily, a daily gratitude that I send your way. So oh. um, blessings too. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate hearing that. At this stage of the game, the thing that lights me up more than anything else is hearing people that have used the tools and have opened up to more success or luck or love or whatever. So I live on a steady diet of miracles, and I'm always glad to hear another one. Yeah, so many. I have a random question that just came to me. Do you have or are you, is it in the works, a children's book? No. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I, 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 <laughs> I, let me tell you 30 seconds and tell you my history of children's book writing. I came up with this great idea for a children's book a long time ago, about 20 years ago. And I sent it to my agent. Okay. And she got back to me. She said, don't, 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 don't even think about writing a children's book. You know, there's no money in it. I can't sell them. You know, there's a jillion of them out there. And uh, only if you've got to do it, should we go down that path. And so uh, after my daughter well, got funny, grown up. You mentioned up, a little prince though, which tech, I mean, I, that's not necessarily a children's book, really. I mean, I think no. it, it, it is, but it's not. <laughs> if I write a children's book, it's going to be that one. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it so much. Hey, and I also want to give a shout out to uh, Shelly Campbell, who is someone that is a dear friend. She's a member of our camera confidence program and a coach that I worked with years ago to help me to expand my ability to know that people love to give me money. And she is in conscious luck. She has a quote in conscious luck, which is about uh, gratitude and a practice that I remember very clearly using at Star the Starbucks drive through once I was driving Starbucks and something had happened and I was feeling very irritated and I said you know what 
I'm um, I'm shifting this gratitude. I'm shifting this into gratitude right now. And I looked at the guy at the window and I said, I'm going to buy the car behind me. And I just want to say how grateful I am for you. And it, his energy was like, oh my gosh, no one's ever done that before. And right there on the spot, it was like everything opened back up again. So, um, so many good things in that book, man, that you can use like that. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you for hearing the music as well as reading the words. So thank you so much. <laughs> yes, you are most welcome. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm looking at my, my notes really quickly. Once again, um, can you just tell us where we could go if we wanted, oh my gosh, this is the perfect thing to say really quick. The other one that I wanted to mention for you, which I could cry about right now is the concept of Einstein time because Einstein time has changed my life like every day. So that's the perfect thing to try and squish in at the last second. How about, uh, how about I'll come back sometime and we'll spend a whole hour talking about Einstein time and how to create a different relationship with time. I would love it. I'd be honored. Ah, oh, it's the best. Thank you so much. And that leaves you, if you're watching this right now, with a little bit of intrigue. Go get the big leap, Einstein time. Simply, Einstein time will change your life. Dr. Gay Hendricks, this has been a life uh, awesome highlight. I'm just so grateful. Thank you for everything that you do. Yeah. Forgot to mention one other thing. Okay. Uh, we just launched a couple of months ago our Big Leap podcast. So if oh, you're, uh, if you're folks are the kind of folks that like uh, podcasts, go look up the Big Leap podcast with uh, me and Mike Koenigs. And, uh, and I was so surprised. Uh, I, I saw it this week it. as I, I was looking up things and it, it's so great. So yeah, look at the Big Leap podcast as well. Um, oh my gosh, you are a, obviously living in your zone of genius because we have a podcast that is launching on Friday for the first time ever. It is the Glam Podcast. So thank you for reminding me of that. And today is International Podcasting Day. Look at that. <laughs> what a magical thing. All right. Okay. Last words. Anything else? Much love to you. Thank you for being in your genius zone. <laughs> thank you. Such a treat. And I'll pick the nugget winners after because we're out of time. So I'll come back and I'll pick those who won nuggets and I'll do another video to announce the winners. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you next week. As always, it's my absolute joy to help you to unlock your inner awesome and elevate it with the magic of live video and human connections. Bye. <laughs>